This is ACB Radio Mainstream, the flagship of ACB Media Network, brought to you by the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at www.acbmedia.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Tuesday Topics. For a while, uh, Rick and I thought we were not going to be able to pull this off. For some reason, I couldn't get in and we couldn't hear each other. It was all very desperate, but here we are and Tuesday Topics is up and running. And thank you all so much for being with us. At least I hope there are some of us with us. Um, we uh, we are we are going to be doing, or we think we're going to be doing, two topics. The uh, the, 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 the first we do kind of every year, and that is to take a look at, at the good, the bad, and the ugly of our convention after it's over. Um, and we always hope that it will be pretty constructive as well, uh, so that what we end up with by the time we're finished talking about the convention, and we always, we seem to do that a lot, uh, on ACB is, is we end up with ideas and thoughts that actually help to make the next convention a little better. Um, I know we did that. We did that last week um, and, and, or last year, excuse me. And I think that we'll continue to do that um, when we, when we have an opportunity to discuss, this is the second convention in a row that was completely virtual. Uh, we actually did more content this year by quite a chunk uh, than we did last year. We had far more streams. We were, in fact, operating 10 different streams. Though during the convention, we weren't operating quite that many um, that, that, were, that were actually convention-related in that there were, there were a couple that were used for recordings and some other things. But it's still pretty amazing if you think about it. Uh, the logistics that went into trying to make, oh, at least six streams at any given time during the day, particularly in the afternoon, functional with uh, different components on each, different kinds of Zoom operations on each, um, plus, in addition to those, a bunch of Zoom presentations that, in fact, were not on ACB radio, but were simply operated separately. And when you put all those things together, um, you end up with a with with a pretty huge array of presentations. Um, my experience with um, with the convention was that the the convention streams were overall uh, a lot more stable than they were last year. The stuff I listened to had fewer glitches. I'm sure there were some out there, um, and we're 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 lucky in that the producer of uh, our program Tuesday Topics was in fact the kind of master control operator throughout the convention uh, this year. So I suppose we could really ask him if he's if he's minded. Um, do you think it went better this year, Rick, than it did last year? Yeah, it did. It did. But yes, yes. But I, I, I'm most interested in hearing what, what our listeners have to say. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I keep telling everybody that there's nobody more self-critical about how it went than we are. So, right. so when we did a lot of our postmortems, you know, what we really tended to uh, focus in on, and certainly I did this, were the things that didn't go so well. But when you look at it at a macro level, I, I, I think it went quite well. Um, you know, last year we had some chaotic moments where, you know, we delayed the start of the convention by an hour and weren't sure we were going to get it going at all. I mean, we didn't have any of those type of moments this year, but we certainly had our moments. And, uh, and of course, the thing that's probably going to be the most famous moment through the whole thing was the 10 minutes of silence, you know, which will be our version of the Watergate tapes. Yeah, the, the 10 minutes of silence that happened during uh, during the election on, on media. Um, and, um, you know, clearly had we known about that, we, uh, we had a little bit of egg on our face because we didn't realize that was happening. Had we known that was happening, we would have stopped the proceedings immediately and we put steps in place to make sure that that didn't happen again. Um, ergo, um, Eric Bridges then was our our monitor to make sure that uh, everything went as planned. So, anyways. Yep, it was interesting. So, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to try to explore a bunch of, of questions during the first hour, but let's start out with some general comments, and we'll wait for about another 30 seconds before we, uh, before we raise hands. I think, given the fact that we've just gone through the convention, most people probably have a pretty good idea of how you raise hands if you wish to. Um, hopefully... Um, we have some folks out there who would like to make comments on the convention. I am not going to jump up and down. I should tell you guys, I'm not going to jump up and down if if people are, are minded to come on and comment and say, oh, the convention was just wonderful. It was just great. I am so amazed. Um, it's not that we don't appreciate those comments. Um, it's, that, it's that they don't forward making things better. And they also don't help us to analyze. So if you want to say that, I mean, feel free to say it, but add something to it, either a but or, and it was this way because, or something. Um, because pure unadulterated praise that isn't supported doesn't get us very far. So Mr. Rick, do we have any hands? We do not at the moment, Paul. Oh, that's disheartening. <clears throat> so you just shamed everybody from not wanting to say anything. I, I guess so. That everybody pulled their hands down. <laughs> um, one of the one of the more interesting situations that I ran into is um, one of the pe- one of the people who was supposed to be my primary guest on um, our BRL program um, didn't turn up. <laughs> And so, uh, luckily, I had a, a second person who was going to be a guest uh, for the second half of the presentation, and I got her to start, and uh, we found plenty to talk about so that we were able to, to be busy for the whole session. So I don't think too many people will have, will, will have felt the loss. Uh, I did, because I was really looking forward to it. Um, and 
I, I have not been able to get hold of the guy since, and I don't know whether he has decided that, that he simply doesn't want to have anything to do with us or what's going on. But um, I was excited because he, um, he is from a company that makes um, braille printers, and he was going to uh, be talking about a method they're working on that will allow totally blind people to do tactile graphics on their own. And I thought that was a pretty exciting idea, but unfortunately it didn't happen. <clears throat> and he was scheduled to do kind of an intro then and was going to be on Braille Buzz tomorrow, but that's not happening either because I couldn't get hold of him. So I couldn't schedule him for Braille Buzz, had to do something else. Yeah, um, we've, uh, we've got a hand, Paul. It's Lolly, L-O-L-L-Y. Hey, Lolly. Hello, and thanks for pronouncing that correctly. I think that screen readers tend to mangle it, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I, I will say that I really did enjoy it um, and that it was good, and I do have an and. Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so there were two things that I wanted to mention. One is that I, first of all, I understand how this was a huge undertaking. And I it just want to say thanks to everyone for all mm -hmm. the work that you put in because having done events, I haven't done the technical side, but I do understand that it's huge. So the two things that I would say, um, there were times I felt like the media side of things was were a bit bumpy. Um, I would tune into a, a channel and get silence. And sometimes I stuck around and sometimes I didn't because there were other options. And I just found my participation was easier, cleaner and clearer. And I knew I was going to get in and out on Zoom. So that's usually where I went back to. Um, the second thing was that I don't know if this is my, I know people call her Lady AI to lie like she who shall not be named. Um, I would try to invoke um, media and it, it took several times and I've tried even since the convention and that's been true. So eventually we get there. Um, and I'm able to get to the stream that I want, but it's not automatic and it does seem to take some time to get it and understand what I'm asking for. And I'm done speaking. Thank you. Um, where are you from, Miss Lolly? Oh. Not going to tell us. Um, I, I actually had some similar experiences with... Um, uh, she who shall not be named. That's a nice name for her, really. Um, I, I'm sorry, Paul. I didn't. I didn't hear your. I didn't hear your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, my question. My question was, where are you from? Minneapolis. Thank you. Um, I I hope you'll you will continue to be a part of uh, ACB Radio and of Tuesday Topics. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I had similar problems with, with Lady A, and in fact, um, I'm having uh, all kinds of very odd problems um, in, in that there is a, a radio station that I listen to, which, which I used to be able to listen to on the Lady A using TuneIn, 
but now find that it won't work on TuneIn. It starts and it connects and plays for about eight seconds and then disappears. Um, it, I think it may come back after two or three minutes, but then it stays for 10 or 15 seconds and disappears again. Luckily, there are other programs that most people don't know about, um, like Simple Radio. And most of the stations that I can't get on TuneIn will work on Simple Radio. And so uh, it, it doesn't mean that I can't get to them. Um, Rick, did you guys did did you guys experience problems with um, with the um, "She Who Will Not Be Named" app? Uh, well, we certainly had you know quite a few reports um, from various people, and you know they all seem to be manifesting in in some different way. Um, and uh, those are the most difficult ones, obviously, to chase down because, um, you know, the first thing you do when you're trying to troubleshoot a problem is to get it to reproduce so that you can mm -hmm. see what, what, the, uh, what the pattern is behind it. Um, thank you for uh, letting us know that. If you're still having, you, you said you're still having those issues. So I, I would very much um, value spending some time with you uh, on the phone where, you actually try to invoke Lady A so I can hear what's what's going on at your end. We have <clears throat> we develop that skill with a third party, um, so uh, you know in in theory we should be able to go back to the third party and if there are bugs, uh, report those bugs and get them resolved. So um, I, I I would very much like to uh, to do that. Um, I had. A number of times on on I have three different um, she who shall not be named devices, um, and I had a lot of situations where um, it, each of those on on certain of the HW stations would would simply not load the station. You know, I had them saved correctly um, in in the in the favorites of the of the uh, radio broadcasts, but it 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 simply would say station not available or whatever it says. <clears throat> but I did not have that problem at all. And I found it fascinating um, with the ACB link program. So one of the things that I would say to folks and, 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 and Rick, you can, you can perhaps tell me if you think that this is uh, not appropriate, but um, I found that the ACB link program was far more stable in terms of running all of the programs um, than any of the Lady A's by themselves. Yeah, I think that's very appropriate to to get to to give that advice. But <laughs> Lady A is is uh, you know we've got about six of them in my house, and, right? And I can be standing right next to my Lady A in the kitchen and have the mm -hmm. one in the living room answer me. Um, oh yeah. And and it's happening more and more, and it's and it's really uncanny um, to the point where I have to sometimes you know be shouting into it for it to uh, you know recognize me. So, uh, but w one thing that you know about the Lady A, and I'm not suggesting at all that this is what's happening, but one of the things that I found out by accident one day is that these things are all software driven. And I had a lady A whose software updates had not been applied. And as soon as I, I said, uh, lady A, um, 
update your software, it, it went through a software upgrade, and lo and behold, some of my problems went away. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, these, these are very complicated, very complex devices. Um, Jeff Bishop is call calling me. So, um, um, yeah, again, Lolly, I, I can give you, uh, well, to, to, it, the easiest thing to do would be for you to email me at rick.morin at or actually, let me back up. R M M O R I N at ACB.org, R Morin at ACB.org, and uh, give me a way to contact you and I'll be in touch so we can. So I will. Is it two R, two M's? No, no just it, one. Yeah, one. It's, it's one. Okay. R M O R I N at ACB.org. I'd be happy he, to do that. Thank you. Yeah, he just thank you. he just stutters, Miss Lolly. He can't help it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll also take your advice on the update and try that. Yeah, I I, I certainly would do that. I but th th there's another kind of rule of thumb with the A lady. The more complicated your device is, the more likely it is to have trouble. Because in 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 this very room, in fact, I have. A, a lady a system that has a subwoofer and two speakers in stereo um, and the only way that I can get it to work well is have one side saying ECHO as the invoking term and and the other saying ALEXA mm. <laughs> Only Paul Edwards would configure his. <laughs> well, that's the only way I could get it to work. You said you Otherwise, got, you got a subwoofer too, huh? I do. Ooh, I do, and it's 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 really very good. It, it uh, but but I probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody until they get it to the place where 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 it really works consistently well because it it. Um, it has a tendency to to start and stop a lot, which which other smaller devices don't. Yeah, I, I want yeah. to get all my lady A's talking to each other, you know, so, so that it gets into continuous. Remember Furbies? Remember the toys Furbies? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can get those things talking to each other. It used to drive me nuts. They were great fun, Mr. Rick. Any more hands? Yeah, we do. Beth, hi, Beth. Hey, guys, Hi. thank you so much. Hi, thanks for doing this. And I would like to echo Lolly's praise of this convention and of the convention before this one. I have health problems and would not be traveling to conventions. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like being able to not only attend, but to participate and to vote. I'm so glad that that went, went over so well in the, um, in the voting that we had the other, the other day. The thing that I would like to bring up is, well, two things. First of all, I did not order a program this time, but I have heard of programs not arriving. Uh, I've heard of one instance of someone's program not arriving until after convention, you know, hard yeah. copy. Um, I had ordered one last year and I never got it. Not that I really needed it, I found out, but I just wonder if there's something, I don't know if there's something that can be done about that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, this may be stretching our topic just a bit, but I'm concerned that if we 
go to a hybrid. In other words, the convention is in Omaha next year. And if we are in person and we go to a hybrid, I remember in years past, we had a lot of trouble with hotel internet. So I'm concerned about that. And that's what I had to say. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, a lot of people have, yep. have expressed concern with the internet. And, um, uh, well, <laughs> with COVID the way it is right now, and it's very, very scary. Um, if, you look at mm -hmm. a, if you look at a COVID map, the entire country is red. Yep. So uh, right now we're scheduled, the board of directors and the convention committee, we're scheduled to go to Omaha in October. Uh, and we do a board meeting at that time. And we also, though, um, use that as an opportunity to talk to the hotel and check the facilities. And, and certainly very high on our list right now is, is an assessment of their IT infrastructure. Um, and you know we're we're very you know very very aware of that. Um, classically, a hotel will tell you that they've got all the bandwidth you need. That we just had a convention in here the week before, and mm -hmm. er and everything was great. And then lo and behold, you know it's it's not great when we do mm -hmm. stuff. I, I I don't know how many times that that's happened. Um, but yeah, we, we hear you, and and certainly in in the whole voting scenario. Um, given that uh, the way the amendment or the bylaw change uh, is written now, we're using uh, one system, one electronic system. Uh, we certainly have a lot of logistics that we need to uh, work out in terms of how that's going to work for the people that are there on site. And that, um, as Dan said um, on Sunday, he's going to be uh, commissioning these committees the um, version 2.0 co committee of the of the voting task force and also the constitution and bylaws committee uh, are going to be working year round uh, as opposed to just before convention which is the way it's been done in the past to deal with these issues so um, you know there will be many many opportunities for folks to provide input and you know, we're, we're aware of the problem. Uh, what we really are keen to hear are some very creative ways to, to resolve it. Um, um, so thank you for, for the comment, right. Beth. I, I, I think there are two things that we know. Um, one of those is that uh, we're not probably going to have as many channels next year at convention as we had this year. Um, well, I, I can't say that for sure. Who knows? I mean, we, we, we may change our mind and do it, but if we don't, it means that in, in there, there's going to be half, there's going to have to be some kind of triaging of, um, who actually gets to broadcast on the radio and who gets to only broadcast to those folks who are there. Um, so I think, I think that could be an issue in the, the other thing that I wanted to say really to ask you about the uh, about the program is I thought the way that they did volume two of the Braille program, and, and I don't know if you're using the Braille program or you, if you would have, as a, as a calendar with doing, with doing virtually all of the, the listings of the programs with, with all of their information in that single volume was very, very helpful to me. I thought it was a much better approach um, than the one that's that's been taken 
um, in the past, which is which is to separate it, it in effect twice um, by affiliates. Um, I thought I thought this way worked a lot better. I found it far easier. Um, it sounds like it would be. I haven't seen it, but it things. sounds like it. Yeah. Um, Rick, I I didn't do the survey this year. Have you guys actually um, closed them out and gotten them back? And no, the survey is going to be open to the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we there's probably going to be some more email blasts going out reminding people to uh, that the survey is still open. So um, I hope we get lots of con- people doing it. I, I hope so too. Last year we had uh, 600 people. Uh, which wow, was, which was really tremendous, and you know, I. <laughs> uh, That's great, and and everybody added comments, and to tabulate those comments were incredible amount of work. But you know, we, and the we, person who did all of that work was Rick. Yeah, but, but I, <laughs> I'm I'm not doing it this year. Um, when they, right when they approached me this year, I said no, thank you. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, it, 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 in our postmortems, you know, we've there's always you know conjecture about how we think people feel about certain things, and you know, we keep reminding each other that you know, let's kind of hold our opinions until we see some of the survey results on some of this stuff. You know, sometimes you can talk yourself into something. Um, when in fact the survey may indicate something else. So the survey is, is very, very valuable and is taken very, very seriously. So. Right. The programs, is what about getting them out earlier for those people who order them? Would that be possible? Getting them sent earlier or no? Well, the... Um, um, <laughs> The logistics around the program are, uh, you know, are, are are difficult and cumbersome, and it, you know, it 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 causes kind of a domino effect um, when you try to do things earlier or try to do things later than when they're scheduled. Um, those those uh, braille programs are published by a third party who has deadlines, who themselves had have, have had a lot of trouble in their production because of COVID. And so uh, there were some, some, some performance issues with them um, uh, in the past. I don't know if there were this year that were related to COVID. Um, and, um, you know, Beth, I would encourage you to contact the Minneapolis office or, right. or whomever um, you know, did not receive their uh, their program should should contact Minneapolis so that they can record. You know, um, uh, who did not get their. You know, I, I, I mean, it could be as simple as a bad address somewhere. Um, although this you year, know, uh, most of that should have they been, checked address when right. I when I yeah they did they checked your address yeah most of that should have been mitigated this year because of of the way we were, we had registration going. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I think it's very, very crucial. I didn't that, hear, I didn't hear as many complaints about that this year as, as we've heard in the past. I got mine probably three or four days before the convention started. Now, Paul, um, I, I don't know the answer to this question. Do, right. they, do they go out free matter or are they actually, actually first class mail? They, 
they don't go out free matter, but they don't go out first class either. Um, they 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 send them at at an intermediate rate, I think. So yeah, um, at a bulk, but, at a bulk rate. Right, but yeah. it's not. It isn't pure free matter, which which be, because the feeling was on everybody's part that if we used pure free matter, um, post offices have the right to hold that up and don't have to send it right away. Right. Yeah, but Beth, um, Beth, please call the office and, and let them. Well, yeah. it, it wasn't. I didn't order one this year because I didn't think I needed it. I mean, I I did order one last year and didn't get it, and I thought, well, I really didn't need it then either. I found out, so you know. But it's nice to have the choice. Yeah, it is. Um, and and you were able to keep on it on top of what was coming up oh, every yes, day. Thanks to the the wonderful community emails we get every day. Yep. Now, now let me ask you about that. Did you uh, find that at it, in certain times there were too many emails, or were you no? Or were you comfortable with the amount of email? You no, I was very comfortable with the amount of emails. Okay, that's good. Now, to, that's good to know. Now, did you use the calendar that was on the website? No. Nope. Okay. Mm -mm. I'm not really good at calendars, so <laughs> I just I should have looked at it though. I really should have, but I just I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the, there was also a schedule on the ACB media page that was pretty easy to read. Um, okay, I thought I thought that was one of the things that we improved a lot this year um, was the various places that information about what was going on when during the convention was much oh, more easily available yes. this year than it was last year. Mm -hmm. Big but improvement. My, my favorite way by far was getting the the emails right yeah and they were nice because they always came out the previous night for the next mm -hmm. day and mm -hmm. uh, and, and again that's uh, thanks to uh, nancy becker and her staff in minneapolis that made that happen and that's no small task to do that mm -mm. either um so uh tremendous amount of coordination all around uh, you know i mean it, it, there are literally hundreds of people that work on this thing behind the scenes. I can, oh, definitely. I, yeah. I, I, I guess my biggest um, problem with the program this year is we're, we're not applying rules consistently. So those of us in special interest affiliates were essentially told, you know, try to be as brief as you can condense back your information and then you'd look at the program and you'd see folks who had page and a half and two pages describing one session and it, it's just not fair you know if, if we're if we're going to if we're going to insist on rules then we need to apply them across the board yeah and well <laughs> don't get me started part of it is <laughs> You know, when people are asked to submit things a certain way, um, you know, it, it, it would be much better for everybody if people would follow the instructions. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, in the cases where, you know, they produced a volume, clearly they were not following the instructions. Yeah. Um, and you get to a point in these massive endeavors that um, you run out of time to uh, to do the amount of editing and producing sure. of things that you would you know would, that you would want to do if you had the time. So um, yes, those types of inequities happen, and uh, um, 
you know, we, we, we focus a lot of attention on that in the postmortem in terms of making sure that that rules are applied evenly across the board and that. Yeah, that, uh, that's a good thing. You know, because uh, you know, a lot of it. Because it's important. Lot, yeah, a lot of it, too, is deadlines and, and, and all of that type of stuff. So I wonder how many people use uh, computers, you know, in order to uh, get the, the program versus, I don't know, if the A-Lady, if there was a way to do it with her or um, over the landline. And, and, and there was, by the way, uh, a way okay. to do it with her. And I guess over the landline as well. <clears throat> but it would be interesting to find out how many people really use the the hard copy and the computer to do the, the uh, well, the computer, there's nothing to send out, but you know what I mean. How many people use what right. for the programs? I think, I think a lot of people, if they registered, actually got a program and it was up to them to choose which kind they wanted. So, mm -hmm. you know, they had three options. They could get an audio version on cartridge or they could get a braille one or they could get a large print one. Um, but the A-Lady also on channel 10, um, just before the convention started for a few days, ran a complete reading of the program. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your call. Yeah, plus, okay, well, plus, thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, you're very welcome. There, there are questions in the survey that ask about people's preferences in terms of, um, you know, which um, which, mm -hmm. which method of um, of receiving information. That would be interesting did, to tabulate. Did they find mm -hmm. most, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the best for them? So there'll be some data there. And, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we have a new um, manager of communications, Jennifer Flatt, who has done an incredible job this year just gathering statistics and gathering metrics and everywhere where it's possible to measure things. Um, you know, we've, we've done a much better job of that this year. So um, uh, you're kind of piquing my, you know, my interest in terms of do we have stats for some of this stuff? I, I bet you we do. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So thank you. If not now, we will. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Any more hands, Mr. Rick? Yeah, we do. Grant, please. Grant. Paul, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And Rick, it's uh, good to be on with you also. Thank you. You both, do a you both do a terrific job. Rick, having been in radio myself for a number of years, I can appreciate the agony you must go through trying to in engineer this uh, convention and, and, and keep it going. And, and uh, uh, all I can say is keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, Grant. And, you know, any of us that have been in radio, we, we do it because we love it, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If, yeah. We, if we didn't love it, we wouldn't, we no. wouldn't, we wouldn't subject ourselves to it. Uh, you know, and, and there are times in the middle of it, I keep telling myself, I really do love this. I really do love this. But, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's um, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm 67 years old now and and, uh, you know, I did college radio and that's, you know, my primary activity in college was college radio station. And I just spent hours and hours. I did a show five days a week and da, 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 da. And then ACB radio comes along at the tail end of, of my career. And it's like, wow, this is, this is so cool. This is so cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and the technology is so different, but it's, uh, it's all the same stuff at the end of the day. So, 
Yep. So, so yep. yeah, you know, and if you've got any hankering and wanting to do some more radio stuff, just uh, just reach out to us. Okay, I, I will. Uh, I've been giving some trying to some editing and not having a lot of success. So, okay. Um, but what I really uh, wanted to address again, because you've all heard it before, is the need for high quality internet for the convention. I remember years ago, uh, I may date myself, but there was a year that Ronnie Millsap, I believe, donated uh, internet access to uh, the convention. And they used, uh, as I recall, a T1 line. And I don't know if they bypassed the hotel, but they didn't need it. And it was a marvelous listening experience back then because every every time, you know, we'd had these interruptions when the hotel would open on Monday morning and we'd you know, lose the convention and that kind of thing. But might I suggest that the your grant writers uh, really go after like Verizon or a Spectrum or I don't know who the internet provider is for in Nebraska, but go after them for grants for high uh, level, the T1 or higher lines uh, so that we will have a high quality and dependable signal uh, for the, uh, the home uh, listeners of, of the convention. Um, I happen to be quite deaf and I'm no longer going to be able to travel anymore. I used to enjoy going to conventions, but uh, wheelchair costs and paying somebody to push yep. you and all that kind of stuff, I just can't do it. And so I really appreciate all the effort in these last two conventions that has gone into making a high-quality uh, program for those of us who are, are, are basically homebound. Grant, when so, you when you when you listened to the program this year, um, did you find that the quality was pretty high? Yes, the quality was better this year than last year. I think so. And the and the uh, the um, uh, yeah, it, it was it was very good this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were uh, you could depend on it. It didn't come and go. Like right. we had in years past, I don't. I don't think you're going to see that happening very much anymore. And I. Th and I think that that the, the only question we're going to have to to add to our hotels is: Do you have the availability of enough T1 lines that that, that we need? I.e., is your whole internet system um, capable of of handling all that capacity? Because you know, I don't. I don't think. Anytime since I've been doing it, we've we've bought anything lower than a T1 line if it was available. The only time that that we haven't used one is if if that line was was just flat out not available, or, or if it broke down and we had to use something else. But well, uh, yeah. all I can tell you is how it sounded from our end. <laughs> right, right. And no, it, but but I mean the internet. I mean, I. I I'm aging myself, but I mean, I go back to the point where if you were trying to listen, you, where you really couldn't listen to music with a modem, for instance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back at 1200 BPS, broad, broad <laughs> modem. Yeah. 
I uh, go back to 300. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, the you, other thing... You, you go back to CompuServe, right, Paul? It, I, do. I do. I do, too. I remember my old CompuServe ID still. Comp, CompuServe and American Online and, you know... There all, you go. Yep. Kind of there you go. And I remember, I, I remember Prodigy? And you guys remember I do. Prodigy? I never there are still that. people with Prodigy emails out there. Yeah, well, there's still wow. there's still AOL email, and AOL still exists. So it uh, does, yeah. and there is a, but but I mean, I I had a talking computer in 1978. So sorry, yeah, no, you're good. Well, Paul, um, it, it was a pleasure to to be on this program, especially with the, both you and uh, Rick. And I will let somebody else get in here because I could talk all day if you let me. Thanks so much, Grant. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Grant. Good to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rick? Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, Christy, please. Christy. Hi, this is, this is Christy Crespin from Highland, California. And Hello, Christy. We haven't seen each other for years. How are no? you? No. Thank you. Fine. Um, so I, I appreciate being on this call. And I, I heard, um, I was listening on, on ACB Media. And I said, oops, I better run and get on this call because I have three things. Nice. So number one, the music. Oh, no. I mentioned it during the call with Janet and Dan. Music was awful. Um, If we could have a solution of something like making sure that we have a lot of, maybe have some convention pricing for announcements just during the convention where we're really marketing ACB, marketing the affiliates, etc. And then if we're going to put any kind of music on, let it be music from blind musicians, blind artists. Um, so and um, so that again we're showcasing our so so just to be clear, Christy, what you're talking about here is is music that was occurring between presentations? Yes. Yeah, it's the, auto- yes. the, the automation. Points very well taken. Right. Thank it you. was horrible. And I had to run. I and, and and not knowing what was on when and getting that music and going to from from stream to stream and hearing it, I'm like, ah, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, and I my, wonder, I, I wonder, you know, one of the things that we did this year, and I'm, I'm sure you noticed it, Christy, was we had, announcements that were being made by synthetic speech of what was coming up in the next yeah, hour. Right. It wasn't uh, enough. Yeah, was no, good, I agree. But 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 would enough. we have, yeah. would we have done better to have just run those announcements between? Um, I think so. Um, not ad nauseum, maybe, like I said, to have run a little bit of, of uh, music, music by blind artists to have run um, some announcements of affiliates um, and, you know, ACB announcements and I, then to have looped Jenny into that. That would have been... Yeah, I, 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 the trouble is <clears throat> there are so many things that have to get done um, just before convention and that's kind of the, the icing on the cake. Um, and I think and I think what happened is folks really ran out of time because I've heard some discussion where where we were actually planning to be a little bit more um, uh, 
love. Provide a little more variety. Let's put it yeah, that way. Last last year was nicer when we had um, Debbie and Tony and whoever else talking yeah, well, they, during. <clears throat> yeah, they I, did I, I that. know they were really busy and I know they did it somewhat, but it was really nice last year when they did that. Yeah. My yeah. second. I'm sorry, but but I know we're running out of time. So my second item is that um, a couple of members from California from our chapter um, did not get counted into the membership. We registered. They were members of my chapter, so I know, and they did not receive voter information. One of them recognized it right off the bat, and the office just said, well, too bad. Um, It wasn't counted during the time of record, so too bad. That was wrong, and it hurt her feelings, and we're lucky we didn't lose her. The second one happened to be my husband because he was at work, so he never attended the convention, even though he registered but he went to go vote on Sunday for the bylaws and the constitutional amendments. And he had no voter registration number and no voter instructions. And I think that's a travesty. And I wonder how many other people were not counted. And uh, if you're doing any kind of a survey kind of thing, that needs to be addressed. Um, And I can't remember what the third thing was. So I guess... It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, with regard to with regard to the second one, um, I, I I would certainly urge either you or your husband to to get in touch with the Minneapolis office um, because um, that's an entirely different issue from the one who may not have gotten membership in um, at, in time. Um, I no, understand. no, it was both. It was both the same situation. She just caught it sooner. But my question is: had had they been members for years? And yes, they were. So it wasn't a question of not being listed on California's registration list or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was on the part of California or on the part of 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 national. I just know that if it happened, one person. My suggestion was to ask people to speak up if they hadn't gotten their yeah. voter registration yep. numbers. Yep. And and that was that um, suggestion was denied. Um, and so it didn't happen. And huh. I think if people did not get their registration and they are members and they were not counted, they need to speak up. I heard some. I heard some re- requests for people to get in touch if if they, um, but not a, not a lot. So I think what, that's a good what point. They, Thank you. What yeah? What they said was if you don't remember your registration number, but they didn't say if you never got a voter registration number, you need to call. Yeah, um, and and that needs to be addressed because that's a travesty that members were not allowed to vote weren't counted. Anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. And I don't remember the third thing, but at least I got these two. I, it was a good convention. I appreciated it. And thank you. Christy, thank you very much too. Mr. Rick, anybody else? Yes, Pam, please. Which one? Dum, 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 dum. 
Carol. Let her tell you herself. Hey, Pam. Which one? That's a question, isn't it? There's four of us. <laughs> there is. <laughs> <laughs> you just get kind of like a Russian roulette thing here. That's right. Um, I just want to say it was so good to hear Grant. Uh, Grant and I both went to Texas Tech at one time. And um, I know how much he loves radio. Yep. So I wish he would participate in. He could probably make it work better if you had more people. Oh, I think so. Um, I just had a. Um, I'm one of the hosts in the in the Bits uh, affiliate, and we've had some conversation in the Bits chat about these things. I'm going to ask you about. Uh -huh. It came up a lot that um, uh, people wished that the um, uh, exhibit hall and the uh, special tour things, if you registered early, and most of us did, uh, if they could play the exhibit hall and the the special event tour things like the week before the other stuff started. Because when you try to do five things in one hour, everything is all together and there's six things that you want to do and you can't. And the only reason I got to listen to the exhibit hall stuff is because I don't sleep, so I listen to it in the night. But some people do sleep and they didn't get to hear the exhibit hall stuff. Yeah, that's so a, That's a great, I mean, great suggestion, actually. It's come up several times, and I promised everyone if I got a if I got an opportunity to ask anyone that might have a, a way of doing that. But I think I mean a lot of those uh, things are pre-recorded, so they could be played early. Yes, and as long they as we paid playing, our money and stuff, they started playing the tours. I think the Friday, two two days or so before the convention started. Well, we didn't know they were going to do it, I guess, because I, yeah. I certainly didn't know. But they, um, but, but I don't think they started the convention hall until un, until the convention had started. And the, I know and, they didn't because I don't. And I, don't, I don't that's know my favorite if, part. Right, I don't know if that's because um, if that's because they weren't ready. Maybe, but like um, if they if they had time, if you told them like six months ahead of time, okay. If we're going to play your stuff, like that doesn't mean people would try to right. call them and talk to them or anything. It just means no, like no, no. You would I, have no, I, I get exactly them. what you mean. Um, I think that is a really good idea. Um, thank you. And, and and frankly, I don't know why they don't why why they didn't extend the playing of some of that stuff too. Well, they um, could have. That's the thing. They had it yeah, there. It's yeah, just, exactly. You know why not why not play them for a few days after convention as well. Yeah, because a lot of people didn't even realize, I don't know why, but didn't even realize that you could hear the exhibit hall thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it was in the daily stuff that people sent out too much, as much as the other things were. But I I just happened to know because it was, that, it was that same way last year. And if you're awake in the night, you can find it. So you can. thank you for listening to my suggestions. And now I can tell everybody I did what I said I would do. <laughs> you did. Thank you, Miss Pam. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. It was Pam Washam, by the way. I forgot to tell you which one it was. Excellent. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Mr. Rick? Phone number ending in 2225, please. Um, I would very much at times be able to like to use um, ACB link to access conventions. Uh-huh. But I am an Android user, and I have been beating the drum for years. And if Jeff Bishop is listening to this, he may remember me. Um, the Android link, ACB link for Android is an absolute unusable embarrassment to this organization. Did you try it 
did you try it this year? Yes. Okay. Um, because and should it, it be referring to like old, outdated media players? Right. That 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 actually happens with both of them, but the trick is, <clears throat> and so I think it may apply to, to to both versions. The trick is follow the instructions that you're given precisely. If if you do that, you don't get into trouble. Um, you're absolutely right. There are there are places in that app, in in both the the Apple version, the iOS version, and the uh, the Android version, where uh, there is a there is a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be there. But if you listen to the directions, what it essentially says is is go to the menu, um, and and get to your uh, get to your live streams. Choose the stream you want, uh, and then press play. Right. And if you do that, it works. And then if you continue to do that, it continues to work. It's, it's when you don't follow the instructions precisely that you end up getting all of this extra information that clutters up the screen. And also for folks with large print, makes it almost impossible for them to read as well. Um, so well, I hear you. This, and I th why is so this I think there's still then? some work that needs to be done. You're not wrong. Um, but what I found this year that I didn't find last year is if you precisely followed the instructions that you were given, um, you didn't run into the same problems. Okay, well, I'll have to try it again because I've tried it many, many times. and yep. I, give, I, give it a shot. I don't have the Android version, so, um, so you could very well be absolutely correct well, and I could be full of it, Miss Norma, so... I had my sighted husband try it, and he couldn't figure it out. Well, that's even more confusing <laughs> if you're sighted because yeah, because th there's all sorts of stuff that that really has no business being on there. Um, but um, we appreciate the feedback. Um, I I think ACB Link is great. So anything that we can do to make it work right, um, well, I'm sorry to be so harsh, thing. but I'm, yeah. like I said, I've been beating this drum for years, and I just feel like Android people are being left behind in a lot of ways. And well, we try not to. I I I think you, that that that. Um, well, that's okay. The NLS does it too. Well, so. that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, um, which is not acceptable to me anyway. But that's another matter. Well, and, and um, it's not acceptable to me either because one of the things that sort of left out it in the, the Android version is the ability to read Braille. So yeah, um, it's a, a for, for me as president of BRL, it's just not okay. Right. But Ms. Right. Norma, thank you very much for your feedback. Um, I'm well, sure that Jeff will get this and I'm sure Rick will pass it on to him. Thank you for the time and anything I can do to help someone rectify it. I, I'm willing to help. Um, thank you, Ms. Norma. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with the Android and if I can't get it, I think there's a lot of people probably that can't either. Yeah. Oh, I no. I, I. You're. You're. You're definitely correct. There are still some odd things about it. Um, there is just no question. But okay, thank well, you. Thanks for the time. I appreciate mm -hmm. it very much. Let me just say this about ACB Link. Um, I, I think that ACB Link has the potential um, to become even more than it is now, um, and I would like to see. Uh, more and more of the ACB media components um, included in ACB Link. 
Um, for those who have not yet played with it, what's nice about it is there is one segment that allows you to look at all of the various affiliates uh, of ACB. Um, there is uh, another segment that allows you to look not only at ACB radio, but at all of the ACB podcasts um, that are on ACB media now. Um, and so it is really cool and convenient to have a single app uh, that will actually allow you to um, easily get to the podcast that you might like to listen to or any of the 10 ACB streams um, much more reliably than, than you can with uh, she who cannot be named without consequences, as it were. Um, so I would, even though it is, it is still um, a work in progress, I, I would urge everybody to give it a shot. And, and just remember, be literal and follow the instructions precisely as they are given, and, and you shouldn't get yourself in trouble. So we'll see what happens. 2225 appears not to be prepared to, um, to join us. I'm a little concerned. I hope there's another whole posse of folks who are excited about what we're going to talk about in the second hour um, who will jump in. Let me kind of lay the foundation. Thank you first to those who were involved in the first hour. I think some of the feedback that we got with regard to the convention this year was constructive and helpful, and we will be able to use it. So thank you very much. What we are going to do in the second hour is to talk a little bit about the difference between um, state affiliates and special interest affiliates uh, to kind of understand a little bit about the, the, the historical attitudes that have operated for, for both. Um, then take a look at what the one man, one vote does in terms of whether the affiliate vote is as important. And um, lastly, uh, try to explore whether there is inequity out there or not in terms of the way that special interest affiliates um, have to interact both with state affiliates uh, and with national affiliates. So, um, there are some special interest affiliates who actually have state chapters. Um, and some of those state chapters, um, uh, people who become members of those state chapters, um, end up paying membership as many times as there are members of different affiliates. And there are some people who think that's really not fair that you shouldn't have to, and, and, and if you do have to, that you should at least be able to get uh, your vote counted in all of those places. And there are some state constitutions that in fact don't count special interest affiliate votes um, in the same way. So <clears throat> um, it's, it's interesting stuff. Um, let's do a little bit of definition just before we open it up and... Um, we will, uh, I'll encourage people to start raising hands if you'd like to talk about these issues. So for 
a state affiliate is part of a pyramid that has the national organization at the top. Below it are affiliates in each state, like the California Council of the Blind, the Florida Council of the Blind, and so on. And beneath those state affiliates, there are local chapters. So the a San Francisco chapter, and Sacramento chapter, an Orlando chapter, Miami chapter, uh, a Jacksonville chapter, um, all, all part of uh, the, the Florida Council or the California Council of the Blind. But in addition, in those states, uh, there is another kind of affiliate, um, and these affiliates are called special interest affiliates. Initially, they were organized just as national organizations, that is, as organizations where you joined the special interest affiliate, and really the special interest affiliate was very much like a state affiliate. The idea when special interest affiliates were started was that there were a lot of folks who really didn't want to get involved in state affiliates, but who were really interested, let's say, in uh, joining an organization of uh, attorneys who are blind or of joining an organization of amateur radio operators or of joining an organization of computer users, an organization interested in improving libraries, an organization interested in promoting Braille, an, uh, an organization interested in espousing the interests of folks who were partially sighted. We have special interest affiliates that do all of those things and, and give folks an opportunity to effectively interact and operate. And there, are, there are others as well. We have government employees. We, have, um, we used to have rehab specialists. I think those may have gone by the boards now. Um, uh, so we have, fed, it's actually federal employees now. Uh, we have, um, we have uh, an organization um, that is primarily for folks who are older. We have an organization that is for uh, individuals under 40 and second gen. We have um, uh, an organization that uh, is for veterans who are who are about and who would like to become actively involved in ACB and each of these special interest affiliates. So the, so the theory went, would attract members who otherwise wouldn't join state affiliates, but they would join these national special interest affiliates in exchange for newsletters that, that they typically got uh, from special interest affiliates, as well as meetings that were held at convention. So, it was it was pretty significant that um, these special interest affiliates uh, got started. Then what happened is some of the special interest affiliates began to create state chapters of the special interest affiliates. I don't know of, well, I do. I was going to say I don't know of any local chapters, but they're true. There actually is sort of a local chapter of the Braille Revival League because it doesn't purport to cover the whole state of, of Pennsylvania. And that's the Jenny Beck chapter that operates out of Philadelphia. 
And I think they mostly um, concentrate their work, not in the whole state, but in the Philadelphia area. Um, so, but, but local chapters aren't the rule. The rule is kind of state affiliates. So um, GDUI, uh, that is the guide dog group. Um, CCLVI, the Braille Revival League, um, and library users all have um, state affiliates, and so does the the, the Randolph Shepherd group. So there, and and probably a couple of others that I'm missing. Um, but the the point is that when when you have state affiliates, then the state special interest affiliates have to pay dues to the state organization. They have to pay dues to the national organization. And, and they have to pay dues to the special interest affiliate national organization. So um, it, it, it actually isn't easy um, to get state uh, affiliates up and operating. Other organizations actually have a, a, a similar structure. That is, they have entities that, um, that create interests. But in the NFB, for instance, they, they no longer have separate organizations that hold elections and that kind of thing. Instead, they have what they call committees. Um, and, and there is some time within the NFB convention every year where the committees are able to meet, but none of the committees within the NFB um, have any access to voting at all. So that's kind of the background. Um, Rick, can you think of anything that I've left out in terms of describing? No, I think you've done a very good job, Paul. All right. So now, now comes the crucial question. Do we have any hands raised for folks who would like to comment on state and special interest yeah, stuff? We, we do. Beth, please. Beth, welcome back. Okay. Um, I'm glad we're discussing this. It has confused me. And I wonder, it kind of reminds me of the electoral college, the presidential election. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't. Has there ever been a time when the vote of the membership says yes to something and the vote of the uh, special interest says no or vice versa? I, I could see this being a problem. <laughs> um, the special interest affiliates by themselves um, or the affiliate vote by, by itself. Because remember, the special interest affiliates don't vote separately. They vote as part of an affiliate vote at the national level. Um, I have looked at um, the records of these votes for as long as I've been involved in ACB, and that's since 1984. And I think there have been two votes where the, the affiliate vote and the standing vote um, came out differently. But that's two votes out of oh, maybe yeah. but what 100 or 120. So it almost never happens. What would happen if that were to 
or what did happen when that occurred? Well, well, what happens is you combine the two votes um, and, and the result is the result is what, whatever side in a vote gets the majority when both are combined um, wins. So okay. let's, let's d- d- just to make it easy, let's say you had <coughs> 10 votes, um, 10 votes in the standing vote and you had, um, and you had, um, 10 votes in the affiliate vote and the, the, the standing vote, uh, the, the standing folks, um, let's say six out of 10 voted in one direction and the affiliate vote six out of 10 voted in that same direction. So that wouldn't be an issue. Um, But even so, what you're going to do is you're going to double those two votes. So it becomes 12 votes out of 20. And if, if only four of the, or 40% of the special interest folks voted, then it becomes six plus four and still becomes, still becomes 10 or um, try to get percentages. Um, Yeah. Anyway, uh, what happened is is I think six out of 20 is. Yeah. Is um, 20, 30%. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, but but in any case, the the vote the vote still works, and it doesn't matter if if one is more and one is less, because there's no rule within our constitution that says that if the affiliate vote is different from um, the standing vote, that it should count. Now, I have another question, which this did sure. not bother me. In fact, I enjoyed the heck out of it. But when um, I'm trying to get the terminology correct here, when let's say with with BRL, um, mm-hmm. Jane would would write and say, "Okay, guys, how do you want us to vote on this particular issue?" Yep. And it struck me, even though I I enjoyed, you know, we kind of bantered back and forth. It was a lot of fun. The Leak, quote unquote legal question that I had was that was not a secret ballot. I didn't care personally, but should should that legally be a secret ballot, just like the membership vote? You know, I, I don't I don't know that there's any way to do it. Um, but it didn't bother when, me. But let let me let me give you an example. <laughs> In Florida, when. When we are in person, we do the standing vote and and everybody tears off their little paper corner. Um, And that's fine because when when you're actually at convention, what happens is you're given a card. And depending on how how many folks there are, you're told to tear off one corner or two corners or three corners, um, depending on who you're voting for, and then put your put your torn piece of paper into the, into the ballot box. Fair enough. Oh yeah. As I say, okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So what, what we would do in Florida after that is 
when when I was president of Florida, I'd collect pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, which which allows me to enable people to vote for four different things. And what I would do is I would get this this nice big cup and hand out pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters to everybody, and would pass the cup around and encourage people to put in their penny, nickel, dime, or quarter, depending on who they were voting that. for. <laughs> right. And of course, that that makes the ballot continue to be secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know of I don't know of any way, uh, and I don't, Rick, I, I don't know if you can think of one, but I don't know of any way you could do a secret ballot um, for affiliates um, that way, unless you allowed a lot more time where you could actually, um, you know, what we, what we did, for instance, for our BRL elections, if you, if, if you remember, um, is we had people either call or email Jane and then she would record those votes. But that's, that's about as close as you get to a secret ballot because right. only one person knew how you voted and that person right. agreed not to vote in the election. Mm-hmm. So, so that in effect, she became an, an independent arbiter of what was going on. Right. Well, I personally, to be honest with you, I don't want it to change because I enjoyed, you know, emailing her and we, you know, we kind of, Hey, this is so oh, it's much great fun. fun. And, yeah. and I was so, and I was so proud, proud of BRL too, because we got about 30 to 40% of our members wow. actually calling in to Jane um, every day, and Great. you know, she and I, she and I acted as delegate and alternate. She was the delegate, and I was the alternate. So, mm-hmm. um, so we would call each other a little bit before the voting was going to start, and uh, I would tell her any calls that I'd received. She'd tell me the calls she'd received, and then we would determine exactly how we we're going to divide the affiliate vote. Well, so as I say, cool. I enjoyed it very much, and I would miss it if we changed it. But I just didn't know if, if, uh, if there was any "quote unquote" legal problem with doing it that way or not. No, and no, good. okay, is not. Thank you, dear. All right, thank you very mm-hmm. much, Mister mm-hmm. Rick. Yeah, Mary Horoyan, please, from Massachusetts. <laughs> Hello, Mary. Hi. Hello, Paul. Hello, Rick. Hi. How are you both? Hey, Mary. Um, Hello. So I have actually, so my opinion is is different (laughs) regarding the the vote, the affiliate vote. I I believe that once we are at the point of every every certified member being able to vote remotely or in person, you know, the one member, one vote, then we need to move to a place where we eliminate the affiliate vote, you know, special interest and state affiliate vote. Um, then we're a true democracy when it's one person, one vote. It, it sort of kind of reminds me a little bit of the Electoral College, you know, if we kept the affiliate vote when individuals can still vote. Slightly different because it's a combined vote, but um, I think it's, I think we need to have an, move towards having elections where it's determined by individuals. But not to say that affiliates can certainly influence their members on how they vote during the course of the year or on, right. on you know, right. matters. And, but, but that would be the extent of it, 
for me. His, historically, um, historically, it was really interesting because, as you know, um, ACB was formed um, as a reaction to what our members thought uh, was an effort on the part of the Central um, Committee of NFB to, in effect, deny any kind of political power or influence to uh, outlying state affiliates. Um, and their view was that a very small cadre of people at the center of the Federation was making all of the decisions for the organization and that the voting system um, didn't, didn't really enable them um, didn't enable either affiliates or individuals um, to have the kind of um, input that they felt was appropriate. So for when, when the ACB was formed, um, affiliates were actually made probably the most important component uh, of voting. The standing vote didn't matter. The affiliate vote was what was actually was actually measuring um, the, the, the actual strength of the affiliates as a whole. So there was a time in ACB's history when there were a lot more affiliate votes than there were um, standing votes. Hmm. Um, and um, so I, I think the, the one concern that a lot of us have is if you do away with um, if you do away with affiliate votes altogether, are you going to create a situation where the interests of the affiliates, whether they're state affiliates or special interest affiliates, um, get sidelined and the interests of only the national organization um, is taken most seriously? Well, then it's really up to, I mean, hopefully not, or hopefully they're more in line with each other, but I hopefully the affiliates would be, you know, um, communicating with their members and letting them know this is how, you know, the affiliate meaning of the executive committee, perhaps. Yeah. This is how we feel on a particular issue and, and hope, you know, we want, we would like members to vote this way. We would encourage members to vote this way. I mean, if I'm a member of an affiliate, that's important to me, how, you know, what that affiliate thinks. So if Mary, I'm it wouldn't matter to you if you were paying money every year to be a member of BRL and you were paying money every year to be a member of Lua. And I think you actually do both. Um, and, and, and wouldn't have any vote. You just have the one, the one vote that you have as a member. I, I, it would be all right with me. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I understand that, you know, you, the paying membership, you have the right to vote. Yeah, you know, no taxes without representation, right. as, right. as uh, Oral I'm, Miller would say. Right, but it is my choice to join an affiliate because of an, an interest I have. And it goes beyond, you know, necessarily voting. It goes to the point, to the fact of just being part sure. of a special interest. That it, it ought to, but if you don't have a vote, um, and if you don't have influence in the organization, might you be less likely to join affiliates? Well, I would still have influence in my vote. 
in my vote. Yeah, but you only you only have one vote. At, you know, I'm a member of eight different affiliates, and in theory, I I can exercise some influence in each of those eight affiliates now if I choose. Well, you that's true, but if if, if you're you know as a member of eight affiliates, you can. Sp- speak to those affiliates and how you feel as an individual and perhaps influence in that way. How their votes cast, but that would go away. Now, Paul, Uh, do you cast your vote the same in every one of those affiliates or do you you sometimes vary affiliate to affiliate? No, I I generally cast it the same way. And And it means I've, you know, this year I had a number of calls that I had to make uh, or a number of emails that I had to send right. um, in order to let the folks who were who were keeping track of affiliate votes know how I wanted to vote. Right. But also, as as a dues-paying member of a special interest affiliate, I'm still able to contribute. You know, vote for you know um, executive committee for those affiliates, the president you, and vice president you are. of that affiliate. You are. Mm-hmm. And so indirectly, uh, indirectly, you can you can certainly have some influence uh, because you're you're not going to elect people who are politically different from what you want to see happening um, mm-hmm. to an affiliate. So uh, I I take your point, Miss Mary. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Take care. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rick. Phone number eight seven six nine, please. Hi, this is uh, uh, from the uh, home of the blues, St. Louis, Missouri. Great place for Johnny Johnson and Chuck Berry, Rick Belcher. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, what I like about this, well, there's quite a few things that I like about this convention. One uh, number of things, but one of the things that really stood out for me is voting. Um, This I was just thinking about how many conventions I went to. I don't do very well with numbers. I always tell people I do num I do numbers like George Bush did political polls when he was president. <laughs> so don't uh, ask me a bunch of questions about numbers. <laughs> I don't really do much. But uh, I uh, the first convention I went to was when you were president in two thousand and one in Des Moines, Iowa. Yes, sir. In 2002, I was in Houston, Texas. Me and another guy from another state cleaned out a restaurant that served Texas barbecue. There you go. July there in 2002. And I didn't go again until the third convention in 2018, which was my, in my opinion, was the best convention. That's when uh, my fiance, uh, Meryl Schechter, and I, uh, reconnected and everything at that convention here in St. Louis. Well, that is so cool. In Region CC there at the uh, Union Station Hotel. That was that, what I that was about, that was a huh? fun hotel to get around, wasn't it, sir? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Uh they uh that kind of has very special memories. I didn't stay at the hotel. Uh-huh. Like I say I live here. I took Colorado going to and from, yeah. but I did go to the sessions and some of the activities. Uh, like I said, the night that we reconnected, I was there for the FIA. I performed in that in the nice. uh, FIA showcase. The showcase, yeah. 
Excellent. Yeah, I was the one that sang, Big Boss Man. Can you hear me when I call? You ain't so big. You just thought gotcha. that thought. Yeah, and gotcha. that was the night that Marilyn and I uh, uh, reconnected after so many years. And in 2019, of course, we were in Rochester. And in 2020, for the first time, uh, was our convert of uh, the uh, virtual, virtual and convention. This year. Yeah. And now the voting. I wasn't really too sure because, like I say, 2020, we didn't have the elections. We did not. Uh, we had this vote now and uh, worked out pretty good. And I think it really worked out pretty good last Sunday when uh, we had the, the meeting Saturday and Sunday. And yes. I thought that was uh, really turned out to be great. I remember when listening to the Sunday edition, um, and people talked about the Constitution and the amendments. And it's like they said, the system is not, the voting is not exactly going to be completely perfect, you know, the, the, that they're going to have going. I mean, and it's like they said, nothing really is. But the thing of it is, I would say for the most part, it did work out pretty good. So I think that was great. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. Yeah. And please say hello to Meryl when you're talking to her next. Well, she, I, I will, and I'm pretty sure she she is an avid listener. She usually listens there on uh, Tuesday night. By the way, you were a pretty good singer. <laughs> uh, I heard you perform. See, I was at the banquet in two, 2001. Oh wow, that yeah. that goes a long way back. I'm not sure I'm much of a singer anymore, but thank you very much. Yeah, now if you hang around me enough, I'll teach you some blues. Cause see, I'm a blues singer. Well, I think that'd be excellent. I'll I'm, teach I you am, some BB King, some Jimmy the, Reed, yes, some sir, Bobby Blue Bland, and all that good stuff. How about some, that is a how about some Buddy Guy? Oh yeah, yeah, Buddy Guy. Oh yeah, blues, I'll tell you. One of the things that intrigues me about blues singers, and maybe you can you can tell me why. Why is it okay when you're talking about blues singers um, to 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 talk about uh, oh, like Blind Lemon Jefferson and Blind? Um, the, I mean, there are probably ten or fifteen blues singers whose whose first name is Blind. <laughs> well, you know what I used to call myself. Uh -uh. You know what I call myself, Blind Ricky. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know the thing of it is, hey, I don't mind. I'm proud of it. Oh, exactly. I, but but no, it's I'm interesting. I it. mean, you don't you don't hear it in any other genre of music. You just hear it in yeah. blues. No, but you do hear That's true. You do hear it. But I say this. I know there's some people that get into this political correctness, correctness and all this yeah. other stuff, and, which I think is a bunch of hogwash. But, uh, hey, I'm proud of who I am. I can't Absolutely. say anything about anybody else. Blind Ricky, thank you for your call, sir. All right. <laughs> you have a good one. Thank Bye -bye. you. So, um, partially sighted Ricky, any calls? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a blind Ricky, too, you know. I, I'm, I'm thinking a blind Ricky, that sounds like a drink, you know. Like, it does. Like, like a blind Ricky. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> Belcher and I had to open up a bar, you know, Blind Ricky's Bar. That's uh, right. You know, BR, BRB, you know, and we'd, yeah. we'd serve some Blind Ricky's. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, hi. Hey, Joseph. Well, I would, I, even though the voting uh, proposition won by a large majority, I was moved by some of the arguments that Chris had and, and the others had to make. And one thing I hope is that we give, uh, you know, as conventions go ahead, that we recognize that those who um, were on the front lines, for example, I, I, there's no other way I can put it, have a different experience than someone who may not be. And I, I do value that there is, is a great deal of benefit when those people can, can get together and discuss things and that in, in, that I hope we don't crowd agendas so much that it keeps that part of the yeah. process from happening. So we, so we have enough room for people to talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I, I think that's a good point. There are a lot of us who feel like, that we have so many presentations on our program that we don't really perhaps allow enough time so that we, we get our, our business done um, at, at times when people feel comfortable and free debating and discussing the business we have to get done. So I think you make a good point, Joseph. I think there are certain things, especially when you're fighting for architectural situations, that you experience it differently when you're when you've talked to people and have been turned down a lot, where someone who hasn't and may have concepts that are, that are different, what would 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 have a different viewpoint if they knew, you know, why a certain stance was taken as opposed to the one that they might think would, was correct. Because if if you don't respect the people that are are taking the risk to of being turned down and still are active, uh, then they're going to be discouraged that what I've been doing, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Joe, thank you so much for your call. Um, well, thank you. I, I think and your I'm point's glad, well made. You, you sound very healthy, and I'm glad that you made it you know, through your illnesses and things so that you can be as active as you are. Uh, thank you, Joseph. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Excellent. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, Mr. Rick. Yeah, well, there's no more raised hands, but one thing that I, I, I thought was very, very good this year was, you know, the way we ensured that we had uh, equal numbers of pros and cons. And I think the, the, the cons needed to be heard. I, I, I you know, I really did. Uh, uh, and everything was very respectful, very well articulated. Um, um, you know, I, 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 I just really like that process this year, for what for whatever that's worth. Oh, I, I, I think it's I think it's an important point, and I guess, you know, we've just we've just really started. I I hope we eventually come to a place down the road where instead of having to do roll call votes, um, we, we can find some ways uh, of doing voting that will 
that will allow other people um, other ways like either raising hands or um, doing some kind of a modified voice vote. What I do a lot with um, BRL and with other meetings that I run is I actually ask folks if they will, if they have objection and then encourage people to actually speak out if they have an objection. But that's in situations where folks are generally unmuted rather than situations where they have to raise hands. But even so, I'll, I'll ask if, if there's objection and if, if anybody objects, they can raise their hands and, and, and raise their issue. And that, that seems to be a far more efficient way of, of quickly getting through the voting process. And, and it's no better or worse than counting the number of votes for if you, if you try to count the number of votes against, especially if you think that number is going to be small. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Paul. Oh, mm -hmm. and Merrill Schechter's here. Hey, yeah. hey, Merrill from Maryland, I think. Wait, hi, Paul. Hi, Rick. Uh, yes, I did hear Rick. He's, he's awesome. I love him. Um, he is. Anyway, I have several things. First of all, as a vice president, as the vice president of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland, I do not want to see the affiliate vote go away at all because I think it gives us leverage. I think it gives us leverage. Um, the other thing is, a lot of people that are new might not be aware that committees and task forces do not have the authority to vote. Um, you know, but of course, special interest groups and affiliates and state affiliates do. Um, and also, uh, let's see, there was one more point, I know. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah, the resolutions. I, I know we have 35 resolutions this year. I've been listening to the calls, but of course I'll be on the, on the BRL call tomorrow, Paul, instead of, you know, doing that. Oh, good. Um, but unfortunately, because I guess I still have a concern that we as a membership can't vote on the resolutions now because of our, you know, the, all the problems we have with the voting and the time constraints. And I know the board is going to vote on them, but I, I still have a little issue with that, you know. Yeah, it, uh, there's, there's, not, there's not an easy way to fix it this year. I know. Um, now next year it's it's going to be interesting. I don't think I don't think it'll end. I think we'll end up probably doing it virtually the same way next year mm -hmm. as we did right. it this year as well. Mm -hmm. But but I would expect that there will be some either constitution or bylaw amendments proposed mm -hmm. at next year's convention, right. which will take effect at the end of the convention. Mm -hmm. um, that that will change the way that we do resolutions. And so what everybody needs to do is to think a little bit about exactly how best we can do that. What, what, is, the, what is the most appropriate issue? What happens, what happens at ACB conventions, and, and it would have happened at hybrid conventions just mm -hmm. as much as it would have at, at uh, in-person conventions, um, 
But what happens is resolutions end up being left until the end. Yeah. And so by the time that you end up voting on them as things stand now, yeah. um, there aren't all that many people there I know. in the first place. But in the second place, what people want to do is to get through the, the, the resolutions and get the heck out of Dodge. Right. So, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I so know. I know. We, we, we have to figure out uh, a better way. Uh, I agree. And there, you know, there's a task force that's out there this year, and hopefully um, it mm -hmm. will it will make some good decisions that will be recommended through the Constitution and Bylaws Committee to make some changes. And one of the things that, that I think we may end up doing is doing a resolutions process similar to what we have now, but doing it before the convention so that resolutions will have to be in much sooner. I agree with that point. Yes. I've been thinking about that also, Paul. Thank you so yep. much. Anyway, you're, you. you're welcome, Meryl. Thank you for your call. You're welcome. Excellent. Thanks, Meryl. You're welcome, Rick. Mm -hmm. And oh, Mary Heroin's back. Hey, Miss Mary from Massachusetts. Yes. Hi. Hi. Yes. Yeah, so this is, I was just wanted to speak about resolutions as well. And it was perfect segue from what Meryl and you were talking about. But mm -hmm. my, um, you know, I was thinking about it and wondering, you know, resolutions. I mean, I think what we're seeing this year with resolutions, so many more people contributing resolutions. Sure. Listening in on the resolutions calls. Yes. And I'm wondering if, you know, in the future... Do resolutions have to be, uh, when we discuss resolutions as a membership and then vote on them virtually, hopefully that will happen, but does it have to be part of the actual annual meeting or can it be an extension of the meeting, you know, separate session, even a separate, you know, uh, time? You right know? now, uh, right now, the constitution and bylaws um, specify when we need to um how long we need to allow for resolutions to be presented. And at the moment, that means usually um, on, on the first Monday or the second Monday or the first Tuesday, sorry, of the convention. Um, I, I, I think that that may change. And I think, mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think that one of the things that we need to consider is is whether the, the resolutions process needs to be done entirely separately from the convention? Yes, um, because and, I don't see how I don't yeah. see how the, I mean the the time involved in the discussion of resolutions, giving people the chance to speak for and against. Right. I mean, it would just add an extraordinary amount of time to the right. annual meeting. We, we wouldn't have enough time. We never okay. do. I I, yeah. I was telling. Um, I was telling folks a couple of weeks ago that one of the interesting things is when I went to New Zealand, um, all of the resolutions that they proposed to consider at their convention were actually sent out in Braille two months before the convention. Wow. Which, which was pretty amazing. But, but it also meant that uh, people would have had a lot of time to look at them, to think about them, to discuss mm -hmm. them with your, their local chapters. And uh, a whole bunch of other things that really gave folks an opportunity um, to at least potentially do a much a much better job of um, of 
being sure that um, that they got a full hearing and 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 got a chance to be thoroughly and properly debated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that takes a real effort to make sure resolutions are in, you know, at yeah. a certain time, well in advance, and then. But you know, I don't think people understand. But but at convention. Generally, the resolutions committee puts in somewhere between 20 and 25 hours meeting, even during the convention. It's just that we're, we, we don't start meeting until line mm-hmm. 8 to 9 to 10 at night mm-hmm. and go on until 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning. And those meetings are open, so folks could have come, but for the most part, they wouldn't. Right. Um, but but I, I guess... The reason that I mentioned it is I don't want people to think that we that that the resolutions process was haphazard or um, didn't take um, the 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 development and and uh, effective wording of resolutions just as seriously when we were meeting in person because we did. Oh, absolutely right. But now it's just you know the format that it's being done now. It's it's more open to people. Yep, you I know, think it know. is. I think it yeah. is. Now you know our meetings at convention were open, but but uh, most people were doing other things in the evening, and they didn't really want to come to our meeting. Or they decided they want to be sleeping at two in the morning. You know, uh, or, well that mm-hmm. could be too. I don't mm-hmm. know why they'd want to mm-hmm. do that. Miss mm-hmm. Mary, thank you for okay. your call. Thank you. But uh, uh-huh. if people wanted Mountain Dew, they knew where to get it, right? They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think part of what we're going to find, um, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think there may be parts of business that uh, may just work better in a total virtual environment. Um, and that could even include voting, right? Where, um, you know, they're really, well, I, I pose this as a question to you, Paul. Do you think that there is a, uh, a necessity to have an in-person piece of voting or could voting uh, occur virtually um, all the time? Um, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted. Um, for resolutions, certainly it could be done virtually. Um, for constitution and bylaw amendments, certainly it could be done virtually. Though it gets it gets a little complex unless unless you do like we did this year and and write convention rules that make it impossible to amend. Um, right. You know, uh, <sighs> which which itself caused controversy. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's one. That's in in that way it could work, but I don't think I I am not sure that 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 I love some of the outcomes of the electoral process this year and, and, and the way they operated um, because I don't think there was enough of an opportunity to, um, to, to have the kind of give and take that always happens in in-person conventions. You know, in in-person conventions, um, if, there, if there isn't, if there aren't candidates who appear to be um, pretty competent and effective, um, you'll generally find someone will emerge from the woodwork who is who is better. 
will end up running from the floor. And that didn't happen this year because I don't think there was as much of an opportunity um, for people to interact with each other and right. discuss things together right. um, and decide that, that uh, you know, maybe there were candidates that were better who, who could be run from the floor. Yep. Um, and uh, that's certainly been... That's certainly been a, a mainstay of, of our conventions in virtually every convention, especially if you're doing a board of directors and <coughs> um, board of publications elections. Um, there are almost always people running from the floor on the last day. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I agree, and I... I, I think, well, I was surprised that there weren't uh, in this election. Um, and, you know, I, there's probably varying reasons for it, you know. Sure. Some, some of which you just talked about. But, um, yeah, the, you know, it, 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 there certainly was, a, was an opportunity for various uh, people who would not normally have a voice. Uh, right. You know, in person to... Right. To... to um, you know, raise themselves, uh, you know, in the virtual world that didn't happen. I was very surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had the candidate page and we had candidates forums, but that's very different from what we used to have. Um, though, though it was a pure pain if you were running for office, but we, we used to have caucuses that were held during the convention at specific times that were announced. They often took place in a hotel room so that candidates would arrive at at these hotel rooms and would would do their speech but the but but the cool thing that would then happen is after all the candidates were done um the door would be closed all the candidates would get kicked out and the members of that affiliate or those affiliates would actually discuss the candidates who were running and decide um as a group um, who they liked and who they didn't, and why? Yeah, yeah, no, that's and, uh, yeah, that's an interesting dynamic, and and that's really not happening now, right? Um, and I and I think we miss a lot when it doesn't. Um, to a degree, it happens, I guess, in nominating, but I've never been there, and it's and it's a closed meeting, right? Um, but it's interesting. Yep. And any other final calls, Mr. Rick? Uh, there's no more, Paul. So at least not at the moment. All right. So I think <clears throat> that we haven't arrived at what I would describe as um, closure with regard to state and special interest affiliate votes. Um, maybe... Um, later in the year, you guys will 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 do this again when we can encourage some more people to become panelists and talk about this issue some more. Um, I think the person who suggested that affiliate votes could go away because one man one vote is surely sufficient um, is, I think, the way that an awful lot of people um, are now feeling within ACB. Um, I happen to be one of those folks who who doesn't feel that way. 
uh, I think there's some real value um, for allowing affiliate votes to happen, especially now um, that it's possible uh, using virtual voting systems um, for affiliates to get feedback from their members, which it was hard to do in an in-person convention, but is not hard to do virtually. Um, and so uh, rather than making affiliate voting less important, I think potentially the way we're changing um, our electoral process could make affiliate votes more important and certainly more accurate because there certainly have been times in our history where um, affiliate votes have been, have been used in, in a couple of ways, being nice. We can say that whoever was casting those affiliate votes uh, made a pretty arbitrary decision about how the vote should be cast. Being not nice, we can say that um, they became political votes, that um, certain people who were running for certain offices would promise people particular things, and the affiliate vote would be cast for that candidate. And clearly, that's not a good thing. So, uh, again, uh, it, it, it's a historical process, and, 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 and it may just be that I'm getting old and am past the point where, where I am prepared to be um, entirely realistic and logical uh, about the way that, that I feel about um, the affiliate votes. Sure. Yeah, I, I think part of the reason why there's such a great sentiment about um, just having the individual vote is that there's little variance between the individual vote and the affiliate vote. But one way to look at that, though, is that those two things are kind of a check and balance. Um, in those cases where they would vary, um, I, I think someone should really take notice of the fact that they're different. And, and there's probably something fundamentally uh, amiss here in the, you know, organization that needs some tending to. So even, so even though, you know, the sum is what prevails, there's probably an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. Um, well, and, and it would be nice if there was, but, but probably the strongest argument that says that the affiliate vote doesn't matter is the fact that there's been no difference in the outcome of affiliate vote right. versus standing right. vote. That was precisely my point. Yeah. Except for those that tiny number of times. Right, right. And, and what I'm suggesting is in those times where they do vary, there's some, something is amiss, right? And, and um, you know, uh, you know, you would one would hope that the leadership of the organization would notice the fact that there was that disparity, right? And, and you know, even though you know the outcome was the sum of the two, would uh, would embark in some uh, some endeavor right. to, to try to figure try to remedy whatever the issue yeah. is. If if there if if there really was <coughs> a difference, I think because because I I, 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 I mean I, I I think you know, and, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but. I, 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 I sense a certain uh, degree of uh, discomfort by some of the affiliates 
um, over certain issues that, uh, you know, may be coming to some kind of a head uh, as, oppo- right. as opposed to, um, you know, just uh, at-large members and, and, and so on, um, or, well, or just individuals. So, And, and, and that's, that's another whole question. The at-large members don't become an issue um, in, in terms of the standing vote. But if, if, if the number of at-large members grows, would it be okay um, that less than half of ACB's membership, let's say we got to that situation, less, of half, less than half of ACB's members are actually members of affiliates. Um, so would it be okay <coughs> if, if their votes um, were counted in the same way as they are now, even though they're a much smaller proportion of our overall membership. Right. Some things to ponder, and Paul, it's just about 9 o'clock. It is. Um, I appreciate everybody being here. Um, I will try to get my announcement out tomorrow now that I appear to have a system that's working. And look forward to have um, Tuesday topics next week. I'm trying to get some folks to talk about um, ACB communications and some of the new directions that we're going in with regard to that. Everybody knows about ACB media and we did a program about that, but we have a whole segment now on ACB communications and I'm hoping to get some folks on to talk about that. So that's what you can look forward to. In the meantime, remember our convention and democracy are what differentiates ACB from many other organizations and they belong to you. Good night.